It's showtime. Three hours of conversation, cussing, and a discussing with America's only born and bred Southern liberal talk host. Head on with Bob Kincaid is brought to you each night by Coal River Mountain Watch. Coal River Mountain Watch invites you to become part of the solution, part of a sustainable future, part of the uprising against mountaintop removal. Coal River Mountain Watch, CRMW.net. And now, from high in the hills of beautiful West Bicod, Virginia, here's Bob Kincaid on the Head On Radio Network. Well, howdy. And here we go, off and running on this 13th day of November 2023. This is The Horn. Head on live is where you'll find us on the interweb tubes. That's where you go if you'd like to be part of the merry, wacky, zany, real-time, madcap, multimedia extravaganza. This is The Horn chat room in the two hours, three hours in which this program is live. I don't know where I got two hours from. Three hours in which this program is live, Monday through Friday, 5 to 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 2 to 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. All time zones in between and the great globe round. And where if you pop into the aforementioned Mary Wacky Zany right now, you'll be greeted by the early arrivers, Anatole and Irish Dave and Squeaky, with more to uh, wander along as uh, they see fit, and capably moderated by Horn Chief Agronomist, Chief Mathematician, and Bud Trimmer Emeritus again, Roger in Oregon. Hi, I'm Robin. If you happen to be listening to the podcast, pretty please, would you make sure and smash the like button and just cudgel that subscribe button. Subscribe on a couple of different platforms because occasionally they do screw up. And I post the I post the podcast and it doesn't get translated over to whatever, Spotify or iHeat Radio or you know, whatever. But it really helps and it especially helps if you leave a comment. Um on the program just something anything it boosts our visibility so that's all that every program here at the horn begins with gratitude and this program is no different and so consequently we say thank you to our 13th 12th and 11th day of the month paypal subscribers that means thank you to paul and uh thank you to uh gary and gaia Thanks so much. And thanks to uh, Gary in New York. Thanks to uh, uh, Tony and Chico and John in Maryland. Thank you, Christopher. Thank you to David in Oregon. Thank you all for being partial sponsors of this little independent broadcasting effort. 
not a business. It's not a enterprise. It's not a quest for profit or advertising dollars. Just an effort to share information and hopefully have a little bit of community grow up around our discussions. So if you'd like to help out, the fundraising goal is at 1075. That basically means Thursday, Friday, and today are unfunded, as is $175 of last Wednesday. And it is all badly needed because there are bills desperately coming due, frighteningly so. And hopefully we will, uh, oh, I don't know, let's start with just trying to get last um, last Wednesday funded, and then we can start on Thursday. Okay? Again, pay, uh, PayPal button is on the main page at headon.live. If you want to do Patreon, you can. And that's under the Contribute tab. Either way is fine. If you subscribe via PayPal, it comes out the day you do it. If you subscribe via Patreon, it comes out on the first day of the month. Whichever works best. So, uh, here we are. More and Monday on the horn. After a pleasant and relaxing weekend, at least on my part. Tried to... I uh, took note of... Uh, Took note of Veterans Day and uh, offered my good wishes to a couple of folks I know here in my area who served in the military. Spent a lot of time thinking about uncles and my father and the like who served a very long time ago. And then uh, yesterday was simply beautiful. It was it was an absolutely gorgeous, near perfect mid autumn day here in Appalachia. The trees are almost entirely barren now, but that makes the view from a couple of my favorite uh, sitting and thinking spots uh, even nicer. So I went off the beaten path and wandered out to the rim of the gorge and. Took a few pictures and just enjoyed the enjoyed the light because uh, it is of course diminishing now until we get to the winter solstice, which I always find it, even though it means the it heralds the coming of the coldest of the cold, it also means the return of warmth and light. I had a note from Cynthia prior to the beginning of the program. Uh, Trump's wonderful and inspiring Veterans Day message. Not, said Cynthia. Sounds like Trump intends to round us up and kill us. Why, yes, as a matter of fact, it does, Cynthia. Uh, It's uh, downright terrifying. Uh, He went on his rattletrap, falling apart, possibly won't even be his for much longer, social media site, Tripe Social, and posted a tripe. This, no kidding, this is his Veterans Day message. In honor of our great veterans on Veterans Day. And and can somebody help me grammatically? I I don't know that, I don't know, I don't know what's correct here. Does Veterans Day get an apostrophe? If so, is 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 it an apostrophe S or an S apostrophe? Or is it just no apostrophe? I can't. I can't seem to get a get a straight answer on. Well, um, I can't get a satisfactory consensus answer on that. 
In honor of our great veterans on Veterans Day, we pledge to you that we will root out the communist, Marxist, fascist, and radical left thugs that live like vermin within the confines of our country, lie, steal, and cheat on elections, and will do anything possible, whether legally or illegally, to destroy America and the American dream. The threat from outside forces is far less sinister, dangerous, and grave than the threat from within. Despite the hatred and anger of the radical left lunatics who want to destroy our country, we will make America great again. Is there ever a time when saying that with a maggot, even the head maggot, it's all either confession or projection? I mean, this is a classic case, is it not? Uh, Midas Touch said, Trump casually channeling Adolf Hitler on Veterans Day as news breaks that he's planning to force people in his country into camps. Contrast that with what President Biden said. Today, we honor the story of our veterans. The story of our nation at its best. On Veterans Day, let's recommit to fulfilling one, our one sacred obligation as a nation to prepare those we send into harm's way and care for them and their families when they come home. Well, choice, is, choice couldn't be much clearer, could it? Thank you for that, Cynthia. So that gives us an idea of what kind of moron Monday we've got um, we've we've got facing us here. There's Theo popping into the chat room. Hey Theo. Theo sent me some gorgeous photos of a of a of a cloudy gray majestic Oregon coast over the weekend. Powerful. So with that as prologue, you know, Nitwit Nero's promise to put people in camps, and I can only assume that I would be campable. Well, Trumpo Delinda Est. And he's having a day. Going through some things. I presume he knows by now that his elder sister, Marianne Trump Barry, the former federal judge, has shuffled off this mortal coil, gone to her long home. She had been senior judge on the third U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals. According to the NYPD, officers were dispatched to her Manhattan home just before 4.30 a.m. Found a deceased 86-year-old woman. As the news report puts it, cause of death was not immediately clear. You gotta wonder how, uh, how'd the cops find out?
Nitwit Jr. leaving the courthouse in Manhattan today said, It's a rough day for myself and my family. Very close with their grandson. We hang out all the time, and so it's obviously a rough day for that. Yeah. course, while she had stayed pretty much on the down low relative to her baby brother's presidency, such as it was. Mary Trump, bless her heart, got herself uh, a recording of Auntie Mary Ann in which Auntie Mary Ann, uh, speaking of her psychopath little brother, said, he has no principles, and he is cruel. So, that's part of it. Yeah, that's a good question. I thought of the very same thing. Ralph said, will Donnie bury her alongside Ivana? Assuming Ivana really got buried there. And, of course, uh, Nitwit Jr. got on the stand today in New York as the defense began its case in chief. Remember, liability has already been determined, and now we're just haggling over the price. Uh, Matt, Matt in San Francisco. Marianne Trump dead. It's a confirmation that when I wish something into the universe, I have to clearly state the first name along with the last. Hmm. It, it, the, the universe can be finicky that way, Matt. But it was, uh, yeah, it was kind of, uh, Nitwit Jr., let's put it this way, uh, was admonished. And uh, engaged in almost auctioneer-like in its speed. And that's what caused the judge to admonish him? No, really. Well, Your Honor... You have to understand there are some things out there that make it impossible not to talk fast. And 
using a, using a line that could have been paraphrased from what um, night shift or even uh, local hero local hero McIntyre says really more of a telex guy and uh, uh, night shift what's the line uh, really more of an ideas guy. Well, Nitwit Jr. today said, I was more of a big-picture deal guy. Eventually, according to Lisa Rubin, Justice and Goron said, uh, you need to slow down for the, sa- purpose, for the sake of the court reporter. At which point, Jr., I have no explanation. Junior turned to the judge and say, I'd say it's good to be here, Your Honor, but the Attorney General might sue me for perjury. Ugh. Cross-examination should be fine. Don't talk past the sale, says uh, Arnold in PA. Hey, thank you, Charlene in Rogues Island. We uh, only have $75 to go on last Wednesday's funding now. Thank you so much. (sighs) Got to get some, uh, like I said, bills bills to be paid, and that helps a lot, Charlene. Thank you so much. There's another reporter out there hustling a new book. That would be Jonathan Carl, who's talking up a book he's written called Tired of Winning. And uh, Carl, being interviewed on MSNBC today, said that... Well, he was privy to some language used by Trump at about the time of the El Paso mass murder. It was cause for alarm. I mean, let's deal with Hitler, okay? Okay. Um, Trump's affinity for Hitler was always covered under an umbrella of his stupidity, right? People like General Kelly were like, oh, you must not get it. You must not mean Hitler's army, right? I mean, he would talk about the brilliance of Hitler's generals. Correct. General Kelly, yes. Correct. And and you've got some reporting about about Merkel. I want you to explain that. I'm going to read that. But 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 tell me how Trump sees Hitler. Well, Trump clearly has this infatuation with strong leaders. He thinks that's good. They must be brilliant. They must be smart. Uh, this is why he actually was praising Hezbollah recently for being smart. Uh, but he talks about... Really you know, smart, is what he said I, I, about I mean, Hezbollah. His, his, his praise for Kim Jong-un, for, for Putin, uh, for Viktor Orban uh, of Hungary. Um, you know, the... the, the <sighs> I, I will get to, 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 to the Hitler, uh, th- this amazing interaction that, that he had with um, 
or that, he, that he recounted that he had with, uh, with Angela Merkel. I mean, he wants to be seen as a big, strong leader. He wants to emulate these people. I'm not, I'm not saying that Donald Trump is a Nazi. I don't, I'm not. But, but there is this infatuation that he has, and he echoes his language. I mean, that's when you were talking, mm-hmm. you know, when he, when he talks about rooting out the vermin. Even the phrase, uh, the enemy of the people, uh, which he used to describe the press, mm-hmm. is something that is drawn from Nazi Germany. It's also drawn from Stalin. This is a dictator's phrase, and it's one that he eagerly embraced. Does he know all the history of it? I don't know. But the parallel is clear. But see, here's why I don't buy the ignorance anymore, because an ignorant person, when warned that Hitler used to call right, Jews, stop. vermin would, would stop. stop. Would stop, yeah. Trump's and turning up the volume. No, no, a- absolutely, absolutely not. I mean, I, you know, I remember a, a conversation I had with him when, when we had the mass shootings uh, in El Paso and in Dayton on, in short order, and there were real concerns that there would be copycats, there would be more, and he was using this language, again, this language out of, out of, out of the Third Reich, of enemy of the people, and I said, aren't you concerned that people will take your words to heart? Uh, aren't you concerned that they'll act on them? And without missing a beat, he said, I hope they take my words to heart, because I firmly believe the press is the enemy of the people, et cetera, et cetera. So, I don't know, maybe it's an in ability to have any kind of empathy or understanding of the consequences of your words. But this that is consistent. I mean, that is not new uh, with with Donald Trump. Um, Let me read the the Merkel. um. Why, after you describe it, do you say. I don't know why he'd say that. Why? Is he a Nazi? I don't know. Well, maybe he's not a Nazi in the sense that he doesn't have some spiffy Hugo Boss uniforms and a death's head cap. But the accoutrements are not nearly as important as the actions. As, for instance, saying that the Nazis who marched in Charlottesville in 2017 were very fine people. Why don't, when he said, I hope they take my words to heart, I believe the press is the enemy of the people. No, Jonathan Carl, it's not an inability to have any kind of empathy or understanding the consequences. He wants those consequences. Donald Trump wants to see people that he deems to be his enemies harmed and even killed. And with uh, Nitwit Jr. on the stand, uh, he he had another hissy today. Thumbing in his grievances on tripe social. Nobody can believe this political witch hunt trial is still going on. No defaults, no jury, no nothing, only happy banks, etc. Happy, happy banks. 
They just wanted to make me look bad. All a big scam by the New York AG in order to get elected and then to run for governor unsuccessfully. And now he's saying that Justice Ngoron needs to withdraw the summary judgment. He's devastated by the truth but just can't let it go. Any other judge but this one would have dismissed this ridiculous lawsuit years ago. He asked me to settle for a much lower amount at the settlement conference, but I said, no, I did nothing wrong. Businesses will never come back to New York if this hoax is not dismissed and forgotten. Okay, hold on. We have members of the Horn Family Community Congregation right there in Gotham. I think of Tara Devlin and and and, and Steve and, and Kim and Lee, uh, Brandon and Fennell. Gary, are all the businesses in New New York City boarded up with spray paint signs on them saying "had to leave because because Trump got sued"? Don't feel safe. Trump got sued. Because I just don't think that's the case. And then as the case went on today, uh, well, the, uh, the, the, the degree of fraud pra- uh, perpetrated, it really is kind of, it takes a lot to add entire stories, you know, floors to a building. The Attorney General's office says that he inflated the value of his properties, exaggerating the size of properties and the like. Well, uh, the editor of Forbes magazine uh, <laughs> geez. authored a book called White House Inc., How Donald Trump Turned the Presidency into a Business, over on that website that used to be known as Twitter, Dan Alexander mentioned the fact that the Trump team displays misleading information in the courtroom they called 40 Wall Street a 72-story building. It's 63 stories, according to a bond prospectus filed with the SEC and, an, and a New York uh, City tax document. And went on to say, the same slide always says 40 Wall Street is directly across from the New York Stock Exchange. Dan Alexander said it's very close to the, the Stock Exchange, but it's not directly across from it. They're literally bringing their sales pitch to the courtroom. And it's fact-free. And then there's the fact that, well, Nitwit Jr. apparently can't tell the difference between a high-rise building 
and an ancient French palace. He said today that uh, the Trump Park Avenue building is like the Louvre. Yeah, it's like the Louvre with glass cubes. Added to provide more light, dude. Magical, sexy place, amazing location. Highest price per square foot. Incredible. Almost like the Louvre. Very special, extra something. The ultimate penthouse. Spectacular. Sexy. And that's where the hundred slides came in. And that was just building on what uh, Eric the Dumber had uh, said over on Fox News TV Radio Rwanda over the weekend that uh, uh, the buildings of the Trump Organization are, and this is a quote, try not to laugh, Mona Lisa's of the real estate world. I wish I was kidding. Adam Parkamenko responded, I honestly think, didn't think Eric Trump could get any dumber. Never make that assumption with a member of that family. And, um, what's that? Uh, Arnold volunteering his tribute. Jonathan Carl just couldn't say the truth. Put me on TV. Let's call this BS like it is. He's a fucking Nazi. This goes back to the good on both sides. There's no good on their side. There are some confused people, but there's no purity. There is no good. I think that's a, I think that's a clear and concise state. There is no good. And here we are. And what? Let's see. This is the 13th of November, so theoretically this trial will go on for another about maybe three weeks. I'm kind of, I mean, they listed 137 witnesses. The Trump defense did. But let's uh, let's let's move over to the House of Representatives. Oh my goodness! If uh, well, over the weekend they did sort of introduced their plan to avert a shutdown. And uh, it was that laddered thing. 
usually when I hear laddered, it, 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 it applies to, like, hosiery, and it's not a good thing. I have a feeling a laddered CR isn't a good thing either. Huh. Uh, so now, this laddered CR has been bandied about. Again, I reiterate my belief. I understand. It's a belief. Actually, I think it's more of a theory that they that that from Mullah Mike Johnson on down, nobody has any intention whatsoever of preventing a shutdown, and we would do well to act. Uh, well, I, I think people in positions of power would do well to uh, act on in that uh, regard. So, any hope that uh, Mullah Mike Johnson has, you know, having gone and played footsie with fascists in Gay Paris over the weekend, any hope of doing that will require the votes of Democrats. Because and the, because the following mutineers have said, uh-uh, they won't vote for it. That, of course, is Bob Good, ironically named, of Virginia, Warren Davidson of Ohio, marginal trailer queen of Georgia's 13th district, and, of course, George Anthony DeVolder, Uh, Septimus Severus Santos of New York, Scott Perry of Pennsylvania, and of course Chip Roy of Gonorrhea Gulch, Texas, have said, hell no, we ain't signing on to that. There ain't enough cruelty in it. So there will not be a CR passed solely with Republican votes. Now, let's remember, this here is the 13th. They'll have business tomorrow and Wednesday and Thursday. 17th is Friday. And the shutdown is Saturday. Now, in that time, the House has to pass this bill and then send it over to the Senate, where unless it is clean, it hasn't a chance. The Senate's working on their own bill, but it's DOA in the House because it's not insane enough. And it doesn't help, I might add, that Marge is already saying she's disgusted
Because of course she is. Uh, she went on to shit, uh, shit her and took a shit. Complaining about the fact that Mullah Mike has said there is insufficient evidence at the moment to initiate formal impeachment proceedings against President Biden. Uh, waxing wistful for Craven McCarthy, who bought her vote. Not long ago, we had a speaker that believed in impeachment so much that he launched an inquiry without a floor vote. But you were told he was bad. After eight R's and all D's ousted him, we found checks to Joe Biden and evidence of a massive money laundering scheme. And now the new guy, you're told, is way better, doesn't want to impeach. Such progress. So, just to remember, the rule is still in place. One solitary member of Congress can offer up a privileged motion to vacate the the speakership. And they'll go out and bust the old mayonnaise jar that holds uh, Mullah Mike's testicles, too, just like they did Craven McCarthy's. The laddered plan that is now being banged about the last time, the first time we heard about a laddered CR, it was December 7th and January 19th. Well, under the new laddered, and don't even know if it's legal, plan, uh, one drop dead date is January 19th and one is February 2nd. And funding levels for all the agencies are maintained in the meantime. So he can only lose four, Mullah Mike. He's already lost six. And I guess over on the other side, the inquiry of that, that uh, Hakeem Jeffries, the minority leader, is making is, uh, shall we let them hoist themselves on their own petard again? The guy who's opposed one of the one of the maggots who's opposed the bill, Warren Davidson, the previously mentioned of the Buckeye State. So the current short term funding proposal includes a one year extension of the farm bill, no reform, status quo policies and status quo funding levels. Disappointing is as polite as I can muster. I'll be voting no. Hopefully the consensus will result in a more reasonable bill. By reasonable, Warren Davidson means more pain to more people. Now, on Friday, Hakeem Jeffries said we must keep the government open and stop the extremists from hurting America's economy. Mullah Mike, on the other hand, most piously declared that 
that his proposal would stop the absurd holiday season omnibus tradition of massive loaded-up spending bills introduced right before the Christmas recess. My laddered approach places our conference in the best position to fight for fiscal responsibility, oversight over Ukrainian aid, and meaningful policy changes at our southern border. I'd say I'd say a five dollar bet that um, he winds up getting a motion to vacate, or probably likely. Maybe Democrats will go along with the motion or with the CR, pass that. Then, because the government doesn't shut down, the mutineers do it again. Democrats vote with the mutineers, and Mullah Mike's speakership is no more. certainly would show that the Republicans can't govern, wouldn't it? But uh, speaking of our southern border, well, uh, without anything really, Uh, it looks like the maggots in the House are going to go forward with a an impeachment of uh, Homeland Security Secretary Mayorkas. Evidence or no evidence? Because at this point, it really doesn't matter, does it? They just want they just want to. So chaos. So look for that if if the government doesn't uh, shut down. And it went Nero today. Uh, the first thing, you know, this is, remember on 9-11, oh so long ago, when his, when Nitwit Nero's first comment was to brag about he now had the tallest building in southern Manhattan after the towers came down? Well, uh, today, the first thing that he, the, the first public utterance he made after finding out that his big sister was dead, was to say that, uh, well, he had a list. Deranged Jack Smith, Andrew Weissman, Lisa Monaco, the team of losers and misfits from crew, citizens for responsibility and ethics in Washington, and all the rest of the radical left zealots and thugs who've been working illegally for years to take me down will end up, because of their suffering from a horrible disease, Trump derangement syndrome, in a mental health institution by the time my next term as, pre- as president is successfully completed. Not quite sure how he's going to have all those people put in mental health facilities. 
I mean, is he is he just going to personally start signing mental hygiene petitions? But he's gone. You know, it's no longer a matter of what Todd says when he says he ain't going to make it. He didn't make it. His brain is cooked. And apparently, he, who should have had a mental hygiene done on him years ago, now thinks it's going to, the shoe is going to be on the other foot. And over the weekend, because we had talked about the fact that he only, that that the deadline was approaching, Nitwit Nero did begin garbling and grunting and barking and groaning and etc. about how he, by God, wants cameras in the courtroom in the D.C. trial in front of Judge Chutkin. I want everybody to see everything. So she forced him to make a, make a choice, and he made it, and he made it in favor of trying to turn the trial into a zoo. I still want, I still think the American people need to see this trial. They need to see his sins laid out, his crimes laid out. With uh, geometric logic, as Captain Quig once noted. And so the special counsel's team responded to his demand for cameras in the courtroom with a memo to Judge Chutkin saying, If the defendant sought sunlight, as he claims, he should welcome the opportunity to put the government to its proof at trial and stop trying to delay these proceedings. Instead, his response to the applications shows that he will continue to attempt to avoid answering for his criminal conduct in the courtroom, while at the same time publicly grandstanding on the court's docket. Because in their filing on Friday, Nitwit Nero's really bad lawyers said that... uh, Uh, Jack Smith wanted to prosecute their client away from public scrutiny. The prosecution wishes to continue this travesty in darkness. President Trump calls for sunlight. Causing the prosecution team to respond, he desires instead to create a carnival atmosphere from which he hopes to profit by distracting, like many fraud defendants try to do, from the charges against him. So you have Trump and media organizations on one side, the prosecution and the oh great weight of federal court precedent on the other. 
here's here's an honest question. Do we want to see that trial on TV because we know he will turn it into a circus? Because we know he will throw a fit? Or do we want it for more pure motives? Do we want to see the evidence laid out against him, again with the aforementioned geometric logic? I kind of wondered about that over the weekend. You know, because I question, I question myself, I question my own motives, and I can't, I can't help wondering if I simply want the spectacle. And I wonder about Judge Chutkin. There's no real harm to her. Relative to potential appeals by the government or um, the media organizations who petitioned the court. But if Nitwit Nero demands cameras and microphones and she then denies them, at some point her decision will have to be defended and justified on appeal if he is convicted. And if we go from if we go from the standpoint of what we've talked about in the past, that Judge Chutkin is trying to preserve whatever judgment comes forward uh, out of a potential jury verdict. Which way it which which way is which way lies her better choice? Or could she rule with with Julius Gazer and then pa- pass the ball to the Judicial Oversight Board or whatever it's called and say, well, you know, here, here's here's how it plays out. What do y'all think? And let them make the decision for her. Now back to Forty Wall Street for a minute. Stephen New York says I did some quick research in the building. Apparently it's 72 stories, but that includes two basement levels. Nobody counts basements, so it's 70. I don't know where the 62 comes from, but no, it's not across from the stock exchange. Either the stock exchange facade is on Broad Street. Uh, Adding, in regard to impeachment, Steve did, it occurs to me that after last Tuesday the GOP will be even crazier. I have a feeling this long string of losses that the GOP has suffered culminating in last week They're worried that this will have the effect of suppressing enthusiasm in 2024. They need this craziness in the form of impeachments, etc., to motivate the base to vote. Uh, You may be right. And on that topic, i.e. Ohio, they uh, have another problem. The maggots in Ohio have said, hey, Just because y'all voted to amend the Constitution and protect the right of women to seek reproductive care don't mean shit to us, y'all. No, really. 
they're not even being cagey about it. They are literally saying that they will still move to try to take away women's reproductive rights in Ohio, despite the overwhelming will of the people. How they're going to do this, I don't know. But in order to keep, and see, this goes to, uh, they need the craziness to motivate the base to vote. They'll have, they have to put out these miserable, hateful, misogynistic bills so that they can go back to the people who live behind the baseboards and say, see, you got to come out and vote. Because we're trying to protect the precious little fetuses. Because the fetus fetishists, well, they, they, know, they, 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 they some of them probably think, huh, we've protected, we've protected the unborn. And stay the hell home which I've always said was the greatest fear of the Republican Party because the only thing that keeps it from being a rump party that can barely, uh, that, that, that can't elect anything other than weirdos in weird controlled states is having an issue like reproductive care to get, to get the mouth-walking and knuckle-breathing out to the polls. So I think that's very much true. Steve, I do. By Jove, I think he's got it. And Ralphs. <laughs> Hi, Ralphs. There's, oh, great. The QAnon shaman is running for office now. And it's true. Jacob Chansley is running for a seat in the Congress that he attacked. I don't know if he's going to bring his uh, his his Ted Nugent cosplay convention Viking helmet with him or what, but uh, no, really. And Ralphs is offering a $25 QAnon, uh, QAnon shaman challenge for this evening, and that would get us down to uh, just $25 to go to finish funding for last Wednesday. Thank you, Ralphs. Hopefully somebody will match your 25 bucks or their or portion thereof. He's going to run in Arizona's 8th Congressional District as a, wait for it, Libertarian. The seat is vacant as of the end of the 118th Congress. Debbie Lesko is not seeking re-election. She's been in, uh, she's been in the Congress since all of 2018. That makes two domestic terrorists from January 6th who are running for Congress. Also, uh, Derek Evans did federal jail time. And now he's 
running for Congress from shame, my state. It was back on uh, uh, October 22nd when he posted, Exactly one year ago today, I was released from a federal prison where I was held hostage as a January 6th political prisoner. Today, I'm running for U.S. Congress. I can take this battle to their front door the same way they brought it to mine. Uh, dipshit, you were the one at the front door. That's also that all, uh, list also includes one Jason Riddle of New Hampshire, who brought his jug of vino with him into the Capitol and served jail time. This will be his second attempt at election. And then today, the QAnon shaman uh, went on Newsmuck, the face paint and the, and, the, and, the, and the cow horn helmet or bison horn helmet are gone, and he's got him a blue necktie with white stars on it on a black shirt. Oh, you fashion plate, you. Running or is currently in there, because I will actually... Speak for the American people as one of the American people. And that's why you're here today. Um, You've filed paperwork to run for Congress in a a district that Congresswoman Debbie Lusco, uh, again, is serving now, but again, not seeking reelection there in Arizona. You know, she's a Republican. You're running as a on a libertarian ticket. Um, and, but I've got to point out the obvious here and, and give you an, an option uh, or an opportunity, if you will, Jacob. You know as well. Okay, I'm a little I'm a little uninformed here. Is there a libertarian primary, a libertarian convention in Arizona? And are is is that how far gone the libertarians are now that they'll? Yeah, sure, you're a domestic terrorist. Sure, you attacked the capital of the United States. Sure, you tried to overturn constitutional governance uh, and and uh, defraud and disenfranchise tens of millions of American voters. But, yeah, we'll, we'll let you be our standard bearer in the 8th Arizona Congressional District. Yeah, it, rock on, shaman. As well as anyone else, um, people are going to see that photo of you that everyone's seen. You know, with the with the face paint, with the bullhorns, the whole thing. And they're going to say, what? This guy's running for Congress? The guy who, again, was charged with, again, a, a obstruction here for uh, for proceedings? And he wants to run to now represent constituents? How do you respond to critics when they say that? Well, you cannot believe anything anymore in the Mockingbird media. And the fact of the matter is... If people actually got a chance to hear what it is that I'm running on, I think everybody, Republican and Democrat voters, would agree. Because what I'm running on is single-bill voting law. What I'm running on is an amendment for term limits for Congress members and staff. What I'm running on is a criminalizing of lobbying and a uh, seven-figure fines, expulsion, prosecution for insider trading. And these are these part of the systemic issues that I would like to fix as a representative of the American people, of the people of District 8 here in Arizona. And the fact of the matter is, 
We're not really seeing accurate representation whatsoever in the Congress, and this is because they are representing the lobbyists and the non-government organizations, the international corporations, the international banks that are funding their campaigns. So I'm not going to Washington, D.C. to make a career. I'm going to... Time out. There are some dog whistles in there in case you didn't notice it. International corporations, international banks. Oh, he's 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 a breath away from saying George Soros, which of course is stand-in for the Jews. It's like catnip to them, isn't it? Going to Washington D.C. to make a change. Uh, but again, you know, the public's first introduction to you, Jacob, quite frankly, if they didn't know you beforehand, is what you looked like on January 6th. Do you regret that uh, introduction to the public, the fact that this is how they're getting to know you? This is the image they have in their head about who you are. Because it is who he is. have already written you off. Well, this is how I look at that. For literally decades here in the United States of America, we have had swindlers in suits and liars in ties, stealing our tax dollars, moving our public money into private hands. And I'll say this, if it takes horns and face paint with no shirt to end up disrupting the establishment and the established uh, uh, corrupt politics in the dinosaur circus that we call D.C., then I'm fine with that. Don't you lose your credibility without the shirt? Well, I don't think so. Not. I mean, when the folks over at Newsmuck are having fun with you. <sighs> it just doesn't look the same without the bison helmet. On whatsoever, in my personal opinion, I think that it's um, a symbol uh, that I'm willing to bear all. That what people are getting with me is exactly, exactly what it is that I'm showing them. That I'm not afraid. I'm not trying to paint some image the way that all these puppet. Pop- yeah, he's not trying to paint some image the way he painted his face. Ah. Politicians do. I'm not disingenuous in any way, shape, or form. I come bare-chested. I come in full regalia. This is who I am. And we thought it was bad that Jim Jacket off Jordan wouldn't wear a jacket. He may not wear a shirt. Damn, this is what I represent. And guess what? I think that once people hear me speak, then they can and will want to vote for me. I mean, it's Arizona. Who knows? They had the 64-year-old Republican woman. I don't even know. Maybe I hope the Democrats can mount a reasonable challenge, but one never knows. Uh, thanks for uh, pointing that out to me, Ralphs. Uh, Flavio with a question. Was it a donkey elected to the Roman Senate? I don't remember all the details, but maybe you do. I had a Roman history in, uh, had Roman history in college a long time ago. I think you're speaking of the story of Incitatus, who was not a donkey but was in fact a horse. You may be you may be uh, eliding Incitatus and Balaam's ass from the Old Testament. I don't know, but I th- and and I think that was during the reign of uh, 
Caligula? Was it? Yeah, I think so. And Emilio heard international banks and thought the same thing I did. Does that mean the Jews, damn it, Asa, don't get ahead of me? I love it the way you talk back, everybody talks back and forth to everybody else involved in the program. And Cynthia, uh, uh, cameras in the courtroom, honestly, don't know the best answer, Cynthia says. I think Trump intends to make a complete mockery of the judicial system, which may only add to the damage he's already doing. But I do want the people to see his crimes laid out. I want the people to see the criminal scumball he is. Otherwise, I cannot personally stand to see his face or hear his voice. I hate him so much that my hate for him is utterly visceral. I go immediately insane when he invades my space in any way or form whatsoever. I do have to confess that I wish I could be a better person in that regard, that I could have love and empathy for all, even Trump. But I can't. I hate him to the max. I hate him to the ends of the universe and beyond. I hate him, I hate him because he seeks to destroy everything I love and care about. No. Uh, nope. I'm not a good role model. I'm bad, evil vermin, I guess. So be it. If when Trump gets back in, I will no doubt be among the first against the wall. Have I told you how much I hate Trump? But, Cynthia, it's good to enunciate it. Because it's not good to carry that. It's 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 spiritually, mentally... Not good. I think it's good that you you shared that, and I, I associate myself with your remarks. I used to say that I'd be under the Southwest Guard Tower selling uh, bootleg Lucys. I don't know if they'll let us get that far. Um, yeah, Lou and PA. Yeah, it was Caligula supposedly put his horse in the Senate. And Lou noting, uh, he's a groomer, but at least he isn't a Met. God, Lou, <laughs> brutal. That's that's that that that's that's a hell of a pecking order. Groomer is is above Met. Oh my! It's official. Kim says, "Hi, hi, Kim." It's official. There is no rule of law. The shaman is running for Congress. An insurrectionist. A terrorist who tried to overthrow the duly elected president of the United States. He's allowed to run for Congress. And listen to him. He's following the Trump playbook. Not answer questions. Lying. Acting like a victim. What the hell's going on here? At the end of the day, I truly think, note, think, not believe, that this is a result of the U.S. government refusing to hold the Confederate traitors accountable for their crimes after the Civil War. This allowed those bastards to perpetrate the lie and fraud that was the lost cause myth, is the lost cause myth. It was a fatal misstep that has allowed this poison to run through our democracy. Destroying it. Well, I mean, you raise a good point, Kim. Okay, so uh, one court, the court in Minnesota, bounced out the... Supreme Court bounced out the suit against Nitwit Nero. It is still ongoing in Colorado to keep him off the ballot under the 14th Amendment. But Jacob Chansley was convicted of crimes related to the actual insurrection. 
why is no one suing in Arizona to keep him off the ballot at all? This isn't a close case. And what is it, Section 4 of the 14th Amendment? Makes it abundantly clear. Once you participate in an an insurrection, you cannot hold public office. I mean, you'll note that Jefferson Davis did not return to the Senate of the United States from which he had resigned to become president of the Confederacy. Even if we take as read that maybe Geezer Disgustus is a close call, I don't think it is. There's no close call on any of these insurrectionists being unable to run for office. Derek Evans, the dude in New Hampshire, and Chansley. There should be suits filed in, well, I wonder, in every state seeking to keep them off the ballot as having been made ineligible by their participation in the insurrection. And thus, under the, under, the, under the clear language of the 14th Amendment, incapable of holding office, public office. Period. So, I, I think your analysis, Kim, is solid. Uh, Steve in New York, meanwhile, says, televising these trials. I've been thinking about this, too. We've been saying that we want the courts to treat him the same way that the courts and the law would treat anyone. In that regard, being in favor of televising them does seem to border on the carnival and unequal or special treatment. However, we need to understand something. As much as we want to insist that no person is above the law and that we don't want him to have special treatment, the fact is that he is not a typical citizen. He is a former president indicted on 91 felony counts who is currently a candidate for president. However, I think there's a different reason for seeking the televising of these trials. As cliched as this may be, these are truly historic times. What we're seeing here is unlike anything we've ever seen. Let's break this down. The people of the United States in the person of Jack Smith have brought charges against a former president and current candidate who, among other things, fomented a coup to overturn an election and prevent a president-elect from taking the reins of power. Our country has plenty of sins it needs to repent from. However, what was until 2021 an honor that was a point of pride in this country, at least for me, that we had an unbroken streak of peaceful transfers of power from one administration to the next, no matter the current or succeeding party in power. This four times indicted man, while sitting as president, singularly broke that streak. As far as I see it, this is one of the most defining moments of this nation's history, past and future. Just as had there been television at the time of the Constitutional Convention, I think televising that would have been mandatory. These trials are equally as profound and certainly more grave. It is for these reasons that the courts should permit cameras in the courtrooms to show these trials live. And that's where I keep coming back down, Uh, Steve. 
it shouldn't be a special treatment for a special defendant. Every federal trial should be par- uh, televised. At least in, to some, uh, perhaps to a limited degree, but televised. Of course, you know, the minute that they did that on a, on a, on a grand scale, a new TV channel would pop up called Fed TV or something like it. Or court TV would just retool to include the federal courtrooms. Now, Jack Smith says he will turn it into a carnival atmosphere or a circus freak show. But the federal courts have considerable power to prevent that from happening. As, as, as we've noted in the past, it would not have to be a courtroom full of cameras. Cameras now can be tiny. And they could be mounted in such a way to be remoted, uh, remotely operated. And you could have a feed of, you know, the camera on the judge, the camera on the witness, the camera on the jury, the camera on counsel ta- the two counsel tables. It, it, it could be done. I think it is important, though, that we do examine our motives because he's already he's already collapsing under the strain of the fraud trial, which is a civil trial about money. What's he going to do when it's again, as we pointed out, when it's weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks? of having his crimes laid bare before the nation and the world. Uh, as to uh, the QAnon shaman, Jacob Handjob, Steve says, my understanding is he's running for a state office. If that's the case, the 14th Amendment prohibition does not apply. No, he's running for Congress. He's running to replace retiring... Uh, the retiring Republican incumbent. And that is very definitely federal. Robin, stop telling us we can't get ahead of you. All right, billable wreck. (laughs) And back to uh, uh, Christopher said, uh, Libertarian Congress critter Buffalo Snowflake. Ooh. Wow, Merka slips down another notch on the credibility scale. Can he bring his friend commemorative Dookie's, his framed, can he bring, I ruined that. Can he bring his framed commemorative Dookie smeared on the walls back to the scene of the crime? Holy jeebus, who's next? One-eyed Stewie? But I don't want to be a pirate. Christopher. Kid, you'll shoot your eye out. Bang! Maga! Yeah.
And this is this is somewhat okay. This is unhinged. This just came in from the Trump camp. Oh, where is that? Where is that horrid bottle of rot rot gut Mexican gasoline and a swirly straw when I need it? Statement from Susie Wiles and Chris LaCivita on media speculation about transition efforts. Well, welcome home, Donald. We see you. You're valid. Recently, national publications have printed news stories about the constructs of a presidential transition for President Donald J. Trump's return to the White House. Who? The narrative in these stories has ranged from the types and qualifications of individuals who will be hired in a new administration, the policies that will be implemented, and in what all oh, they're talking about, yeah, his, his uh, plan for um, punishing his enemies. The efforts by various nonprofit groups are certainly appreciated and can be enormously helpful. However, none of these groups or individuals speak for President Trump or his campaign. We will have an official transition effort to be announced at a later date. Well, certainly are getting the wobbling cart out in front of the old gray mare. Ain't what she used to be. You see, they're a little bit scared there. at the Trump camp because people are publishing shit their bosses said and it's some scary stuff these reports about personnel and policies that are specific to a second Trump administration are purely speculative and theoretical any personnel list policy agendas or government plans published anywhere are merely suggestions all 2024 campaign policy announcements will be made by President Trump or members of his campaign team Policy recommendations from external allies are just that, recommendations. Yeah, the Heritage Foundation. As President Trump's dominance in the Republican primary grows and his path to beating Joe Biden widens, we are seeing more and more stories about various groups' intentions for leading a Trump transition. These stories are neither appropriate nor constructive. Unless a second-term priority is articulated by President Trump himself or is officially communicated by the campaign, it is not authorized in any way. Okay. So, basically down there at Magaloco, they're trying to sort out uh, which parts of his babblings are mere psychotic maunderings and which are him in a moment of Paranoid lucidity. I don't even know if those two words can be used together. But a new week began today. And so when my eyes blinked open at 5.30 this morning, I had time to go and make my first cup of decaf, don't hate, and get back in time for... Uh, the beginning of my four, uh, filthy morning habit, which led to um, one of the well, Miko was not happy with the with the way that. Uh, oh, what's that? 
Brother Deacon Asa, I have a question. Is the shaman asshole going to want special organic food on the menu when he's in Congress? Well, the cafeteria there in the Longworth House office building has vegetarian and vegan options. Ah, well, there's my answer. Thank you, Roger. I should have gone and read it myself. Uh, The insurrection clause of the 14th Amendment does not apply to QAnon shaman. Having previously, quote, having previously taken an oath as a member of Congress or an officer of the United States or as a member of any state legislature or as an executive or judicial officer of any state to support the Constitution. Well, it seems he has a get out of or get into Congress free card. Thanks, Roger. Anyway, uh, Mika was in pretty high dudgeon after Nitwit Nero's antics over Veterans Day. Or him. That that explains everything, doesn't it? About it does. Donald Trump. All you need to know about Donald Trump, how 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 selfish, how craven, how how shallow, uh, how un-American. Let me say it: how un-American he is when it comes to the things he says about our fall. Yeah, they posted a quote. I didn't get it. So he was talking to the father of a fallen soldier and said, I didn't get it. What was in it for them? Fallen soldiers, sailors, airmen, and Marines. Yeah, we also have had reporting about how Trump didn't want veterans who had visible wounds or amputations to be part of military ceremonies in his presence. We also know he said something similar to his chief of staff, John Kelly. Kelly's son was killed in combat overseas, and uh, the former president said to him, well, it wasn't worth it, was it? Or something along uh, those lines. Um, But back to the abortion issue, uh, Joe, you're certainly right that this is, we're still not sure quite what last week's election means for the 2024 campaign, but we do know this, abortion is going to be front and center yet again, and it's a huge winning issue for Democrats. Democrats, uh, Reverend Sharpton, certainly the White House aides and campaign officials have been stressing to me in recent days, we're going to put this at the forefront. We're going to not let Donald Trump run away from it because we feel like Trump has tried. Trump has distanced himself at times from the Supreme Court decision to overturn Roe. We're not going to let him do that. Now, let's be clear. The president himself has admitted he's not super comfortable talking about abortion, but the vice president has stepped up and she's become a powerful voice on this. No, I think uh, Vice President Harris has been a tremendous voice in this. And when you look at the Ohio vote, where where you had a vote earlier this year, where they had to campaign and tell people that wanted to preserve uh, women's right to choose, vote no. And then they tried to shrewdly turn it now where you had to vote yes in this uh, election last uh, Tuesday. So the people that were trying to preserve uh, the women's right to choose had to do a real uh, thorough job of telling voters that they had convinced to vote no a few months ago to vote yes here, and they did it, which shows how the public is really, really on the side of reproductive rights. And I think that that is something, when you play the, uh, the, the, uh, the, the Trump statements about what he has said and what he has done down there, that's easy. The problem is that his voters Many of them are cult followers. We played them videos of him talking about grabbing a woman's privates and they still voted for him. So we're not going to flip them. We may deal with independents, people that are uncomfortable with other things. But Joe, I want to go back to something you were saying earlier, because it just, we've become so 
desensitized as a nation, uh, on, no matter what side of the political spectrum you're on. Um, January 6th, election denying, stealing documents, the major indictments against this president doesn't seem to turn Republicans in Congress or doesn't get the presidential candidates energized on the stage except for one. And I just, how, how is it, how is it that these Republicans in Congress and some in the Senate and these presidential candidates can stand by and say nothing about a man who would say something like that about our veterans, what was in it, about our dead, our dead soldiers, what was in it for them, their losers. Yeah. Like, how can, just how do we go on without just asking about that? I know sort of like the litmus test is, was the election stolen? There are a million others. Things like that, that Donald Trump has said, the cruelty is the point. It leads to authoritarianism. It leads to what he wants to do to our government. And if you don't want to believe that, that's fine. But let me ask you, Republican in that audience or in Congress or on the debate stage, can you stand by and support a man who would say that about our veterans? I want that question asked. Why are they given a pass? They're not given a pass. Well, they're not asked um, about it, and it just goes they're, by. They're always asked, um, how could you support Donald Trump to be nominee? And the answer is, they can't give, the, they can't say the truth. Uh, the fact is, they're craving. They're craving for power. <clears throat> they're scared of Donald Trump's base, and they won't. They won't tell the truth. They won't speak truth to power. Uh, we've seen it time and again. David French had a great op-ed talking about Mike Johnson, uh, the new speaker, saying, "Oh, I'm, you know, I'm, I just, I just follow what the Bible says." Mm -hmm. And David French said, "Well, no, actually, you, you do the opposite of that because you got to power by lying. In fact, you embrace the big lie. That's what you're known the most for." and the United States Congress that you led uh, Ken Paxton's lawsuit that, that was, was just a crazy, we talked about crazy conspiracy theories, but Mike Johnson was so craven for power, he was so desperate for power that he actually embraced the big lie. Nothing biblical about that. But as David French said, did it because he craved power so much. And, and that's, again, that's, that's why he was there. But, you know, Elise Jordan, you look, I, I, I really do. I think the White House is really on to something. Okay, I have a question. Is he using craven as the participial form of crave? I, I, I know it's not it's not it's not salient to the overall analysis, but. It because to be craven, for instance, Sylvia gave us Craven McCarthy, the squeaker of the house, uh, is uh, contemptibly lacking in courage, cowardly. Use it in a sentence: a craven abdication of his moral duty. It sounds like Joe is, 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 is 
because he they're craving he craves power. I mean, it, it, the password is Craven or Radio Flyer. Either way is fine. So it's a cowardly lust, a cowardly hunger for power. What? Yeah. Okay. But uh, they were. They were. They were full on this morning. Oh, wait a minute. Now, most people would say without. I say the opposite. I want this trial to be seen by everybody in the world. Yeah. This was Saturday night in Claremont, New Hampshire. The prosecution. The weirdos in the back are waving peace through strength placards. Is it just me, or does that have a history, uh, that phrase? Wishes to continue this travesty in darkness, and I want sunlight. That's a nice way of saying it. Isn't that pretty? I want sunlight. I want everything exposed to the public. And uh, let's let the public decide, because I want cameras in every inch of that courthouse. Careful Uh, what you wish for. No, he doesn't. (laughs) We've got a lot to cover from that speech on Saturday, including some frightening comments from the front runner in the Republican primary. Meanwhile, Donald Trump's defense team will present its case in the civil fraud trial. We'll tell you who is taking the stand later today in New York. Also ahead, it appears the new House Speaker is not ready to move forward with the impeachment inquiry into President Biden. We'll go through that new reporting. Plus, we'll play for you... The surprise announcement from Republican Senator Tim Scott. Oh, no. One of the five candidates who was just on the debate stage last week will also bring to you the very latest out of Israel and Gaza. Good Monday morning to you. It is uh, November 13th, and with us we have the host of Way Too Early, White House Bureau Chief at Politico, Jonathan Lemire, former aide to the George W. Bush White House and State Department's Elise Jordan, President Emeritus of the Council on Foreign Relations, Richard Haas is here, President of the National Action Network and host of MSNBC's Politics Nation, Reverend Al Sharpton, founder of the conservative website The Bulwark, Charlie Sykes, and co-founder and CEO of Axios, Jim Vandehei is here this morning. Joe, uh, a lot to talk about in a jam-packed of scary stuff speech by former President Trump over the weekend. Well, I mean, there's a lot to talk about. I mean, he just reveals more about himself. The Washington Post, of course, reported a few, uh, I guess, last week that Donald Trump basically was making an enemy's list and said that if he were elected president of the United States, he would use his position as president and start going after Democrats, start going after political enemies, start going after. And it sounded like arresting even even his former lawyers uh, who, who no longer defend. So you have all that talk, but you've always had this fascist talk uh, coming from him. And uh, and it, it was just a week or two ago 
that the Anti-Defamation League and many others were concerned when he was talking about immigrants, quote, poisoning the blood uh, of, of, of America. And, of course, that's, again, it's just sort of calls for racial, ra uh, racial purity, which, of course, hmm. I find absolutely fascinating since we are a nation of immigrants. Yeah. I mean, Donald Trump, uh, as Donald Trump himself knows, uh, what were they called? The Drumpfs? What were they? The uh, what was his last name? Drumpf? Drumpfs. I think the it was Drumpfs. The, the Drumpfs. The Drumpfs came here uh, from Germany when uh, just having a name, Drumpf, and Drumpf. from Germany uh, was seen as anti-American and seen as poisoning the bloodstream. Got to work on that R, Joe. We're, going, we're just going full on Hitler, uh, yeah. talking about uh, talking about vermin, and of course. It's so interesting. I, I, I don't know who his spokesperson is, but, I, you know, one of the... Come, they told me, Trump, pum, 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 sorry. These fat white pink boys that likes to talk tough, because, oh, it's just, they're triggered, they're triggered, we will crush them. Uses, they will be crushed. Their lives will be crushed. And just, so you have a bunch of weak people, uh, a bunch of fat, white, pink boys, a bunch of phony populists uh, that are going around talking tough. And unfortunately, pasty faced, doughy old white men, pale pink boys. Hi, Joe. Making threats that we. Those of us who love democracy, those of us who actually believe in the American experiment all these years later, have to be worried about. Yeah. And you look, you look again, you look at the language of Donald Trump, you look at what Donald Trump says he's going to do, and you go back uh, to, to Maya Angelou's uh, saying that when somebody tells you uh, who yeah. they are, believe them the first time. We have to believe him, and we also have to believe that this is the most important election probably since 1864. I, I think he's right. Uh, thank you, Ralph, serving as the Horn Ad Hoc Peace Through Strength Research Committee. Wikipedia says a phrase that's, uh, that has been used by many leaders from the Roman Emperor Hadrian in the 2nd century A.D. to old 666 himself, Ronald Wilson Reagan in the 80s. And, of course, as uh, Andrew Basevich noted, peace through, peace through strength easily becomes peace through war. Motto of the 8th Air Force 19, since Okay, thank you, Ralphs. And by the way, we are past the halfway point of the program. We're trying to get down to having last Wednesday fully funded. There's a $25 QAnon shaman challenge on the table, courtesy of Ralphs, if someone would care to jump in and help out matching it. Um.
अच्छा इंटरेस्टिंग इंटरेस्टिंग लिटिल ओपिनियन पीस एट द हिल बाय वन विलियम्स pointing out that there is a uh, mini stampede of Republicans exiting the House of Representatives. Ken Buck of Colorado said he was done on November 1st. And upon announcing his exit from the Congress at the end of his term, he said uh, in order to be a member of the house majority you have to put up with many republican leaders who are lying to america claiming that the 2020 election was stolen good for him and as juan williams point, pointed out kay granger of texas has also bailed she was keeping a uh, key in keeping jim jacket off jordan from becoming speaker and the aforementioned Debbie Lasco Lesco from Arizona stand she said right now Washington DC is broken it's hard to get anything done Victoria Sparts has announced her retirement and threatened during the uh uh recent unpleasantness to uh quit immediately and just bail right then right there instead of retiring at the end of her term the republican house is failing the american people again that was feb- february it's like a theater full of actors in the circus our children would be ashamed of another worthless congress so I don't know how many of those districts was Kevin Buck's district Victoria Sparks's district gerrymandered to make sure a Republican won it probably But if you assume that George Anthony DeVolder Zarina uh, Z- 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 Catherine Santos is toast in his election. Every one of the Biden 18 are in trouble, presumably. If we were good at this, we might actually take back the house in 2024. and more people are sounding the alarm of a potential and i it's unfathomable to me potential trump second term a, a former judge a former conservative judge retired judge michael luttig 
who testified to the January 6th committee about how wrong the election denial was and the big lie. It was and is. Uh, He's adding his voice in an interview in The Guardian. Judge Ludwig said, I'm more worried for America today than I was on January 6th. Now, let's bear in mind, Ludwig clerked for fat, dead Tony Scalia. For all the reasons that we know, his election would be catastrophic for America's democracy. All that he has done, beginning with January 6th, has corrupted American democracy and corrupted American elections and laid waste to Americans' faith and confidence in our democracy to the extent that today, millions and millions and millions of Americans no longer have faith and confidence in their elections. He's the presumptive nominee of the Republican Party in 2024, and indeed many people believe that he will be the next president. That presidency will be ruinous, Ludwig went on to say. And then this, I told Steve earlier today that when I heard the news, I had to take to my bed with a sick headache. Tim Scott of South Carolina, Stan, who was feeling quite presidentially timorous, has suspended his campaign barely two weeks after Mike Pencil Net Geek uh, suspended his. We're running out of dwarves, y'all. Maybe now that he's not going to have to face the rigors of a presidential campaign, uh, he can finally have special time with that special lady that he apparently keeps in the basement in a pit. Speaking to Trey Gowdy, uh, remember him, the man of wax, uh, he said, uh, one thing I would recommend to every American, if you ever want to love your country more, run for president. Traveling this country and meeting people was one of the most fantastic experiences of my entire life. I love America more today than I did on May 22nd. When I go back to Iowa, I will not be as a presidential candidate. I'm suspending my campaign. I think the voters were the most remarkable people on the planet. I've been really clear. They're telling me not now. I don't think they're saying no, but I do think they're saying not now. So I'm going to respect the voters, and I'm going to hold on and work really hard and look forward to the other opportunities. Uh, he, he said, um, no, he wasn't going to sh- say who he was going to throw his support behind. Come on. He didn't even have the courage to criticize Nitwit Nero from the stump. But I have a, I have a confession to make. I was the secret girlfriend 
and we just knew it wasn't going to work. Mixed relationships seldom do, me being a Democrat and him being a Republican. Me being a girl and him not being into girls. Damn. You're so brave. Oh, God, I think I just threw up a little bit in my mouth. But, well, with a little bit of blood in the water, some people were pissed. And by some people, Fox News style book, I mean his own campaign staff. Turns out his staff found out about his quitting by watching TV instead of being informed by the senator directly. Well, thank you, Ralphs. Oh, dear, Robin. Hugs and hug Tim. (laughs) That was a cheap joke. Uh, On my part. Thank you, Ralphs. Uh, once it got out that he had stiffed his his campaign staff, uh, Rick Wilson said, Tim Scott, another billionaire donor bait candidate without the skills or charisma to do the hard work of campaigning. It's going to be a great week. First, Tim Scott's campaign is really taking off. Oh, wait. And it was so last minute, spur of the moment, that uh, his campaign staff had just got done sending out an email fundraising request. And uh, Sam Stein, the journalist, said, you know, if you were someone who decided to give to Tim Scott's presidential campaign 20 minutes ago when they sent a fundraising email, I'd be interested in hearing from you. And Paula Poundstone. Tim Scott dropped out of the presidential race. I wonder if he'll have to give the girlfriend back. D.L. Hughley. Damn, Tim Scott suspends his campaign. That means he went out and got a girlfriend for nothing. Um, most of Senator Tim Scott's South Carolina staff was sent to Iowa. They didn't know that their boss was quitting his campaign, and now they're stuck in Iowa. And uh, this is good. Uh, Gary McCoy, who used to be a congressional aide to Nancy Pelosi, said, Tim Scott should uh, Tim Scott should have to carry his campaign to term. Hmm. Well, you won't have Tim Scott to kick around anymore. And being as how it is, Moran Monday. Oh, wait a second. Uh, 
Tim Scott's girlfriend, Steve in New York, says, I had it on good authority. It was Georgina Glass. Sounds to me like a love triangle. Um, Emilio, Tim Scott's quitting. Damn it, now my Tim Scott tattoo is trashy and pointless. That gets you. Tim Scott tattoo. I know. Uh, Lou, uh, Peace Through Strength, Flavius Wegetius Renatus, A.D. 380, Wegetius, qui desiderat pacem praeperit bellum, epitema rei militaris prologium uh, tres, if you want peace, prepare for war. Tim Scott's candidacy, Angelo in the People's Republic of the Bronx. Hey, Angelo. He had as much chance of being the nominee as much as I have being the starting center for the Lakers. I'm 5'5". I think you got the better chance, Angelo. And Baltimore Bob with a, a, a reminder. Just a reminder, Minnesota's ruling last Wednesday on Nitwit Nero's eligibility to run for president only affects the Republican primary, not the general election. Petitioners can refile their suit if Trump is the party nominee. You know, which he will be. Is there any doubt? Thanks. Thanks, Bob. And this, trans kids forced to flee the country from Cynthia. I imagine you saw this, trans kids forced to flee the country. I have to read the article, but the title says it all. The headline, some trans kids are being forced to flee America for their safety. Trans kids, Cynthia says, can't even be safe. No wonder I've turned into a hater. Sigh. And this goes right hand-in-hand with what uh, our friend Allie said a few weeks back on the program, that by 2028 or so, up to half of all trans people will probably have fled uh, their transphobic states. Uh, The the Huffington Post story focuses on a boy named uh, Gray Wilson. He'd come out to his mom when he was 13. And uh, did all his homework. Gave his mama a PowerPoint presentation. His mama was accepting. Remember, the rate of suicidal ideation among trans youth, which is shockingly high, 
drops precipitously if even one adult in the child's life, the adolescent's life, is affirming. And gender-affirming care drops it even further. But in 2021, Gray Wilson testified in the Texas legislature against the hateful gender-affirming care bill uh, ban bill. And after that, the transphobes showed up at his family's door. Among other things, men with semi-automatic assault rifles began menacing his mom as she was driving, tried to follow her to work. causing her son to say, the thing they hate about her is me. They're going after her because of me. Gray came out at 13. Gray's 19 now. I felt a lot of responsibility for what was happening. I know logically it isn't, but a part of me thought, well, if I wasn't trans, she wouldn't be getting harassed. And so Gray and his mama Lauren... pretty much put everything aside, left everything, and fled to New Zealand. They didn't go there because they had friends or relatives. They went there because it's said to be one of the most trans-friendly nations on earth. And that's not just one person. That's fleeing Texas. People are fleeing Alabama, Mississippi, Texas Stan, Oklahoma Stan, Missouri Stan. And the article points out the uh, profound difficulty that fleeing families face. When they do leave the country. Heartbreaking. Thanks for sharing that, Cynthia. Thanks for that, Randy Radar. It is similar. Okay, we have a rotted FK sighting. Independent presidential candidate, rotted FK. Okay. Uh, dinner warning. Put down the put 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 down the 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 plate and the spork or whatever. This might get a little gross, depending on how you feel about things. 
So, right at FK is jetting about the country. And uh, a uh, conservative commentator apparently was on the flight with or somehow found out found out and took a picture of rotted FK walking about the aisles of the aircraft barefoot. Maybe it's a thing that happens in first class. I don't know, because in the photograph, there's someone who's down to their socks. Um, I'm guessing a woman sitting with her legs crossed and her sock foot sticking out into the aisle. Just as barefoot Bobby is about to pass by. I mean, yuck. It was an A321, by the way, Airbus. Uh, Reverbo, by the way, knows peace through strength, poisoning our racial heritage. Why not just channel General Ripper and preserve our purity of essence? Yeah. And Arnold Everest is quite the pupper. Well, I guess it's no surprise that Rotted FK is wandering around barefoot. The conservative commentator was Justin Haskins, who works for the Heartland Institute. and was apparently on the same flight. And Rotted F.K. wasn't just going walkabout, he was going barefoot to the in-flight latrine. Haskins said there was crumbs and junk, food and debris on the floor. But then again, Rotted FK is a uh, grifty anti-vaxxer. We all know that. Uh, Haskins said, so RFK Jr. gets up and walks to the bathroom. And he's walking to the bathroom. I realize the guy has no shoes on, no socks, and the floor is covered with food and, like, disgusting food. He's walking to the restroom with no shoes and no socks on. He goes into the restroom sockless, something I've literally never seen in my entire life out of all the times I've been on planes, and I've never seen this happen before, and I thought, okay, right. And I'm thinking this guy is a presidential candidate. He doesn't wear shoes and socks on a, in a plane in first class. What is this? And then there's always data. 
Back in 2015, there was a study. And uh, they actually gathered data from aircraft. A microbiologist collected samples from four flights to calculate the total number of bacteria per square inch. Though the airplane bathroom flush button had 265 bacteria colony forming units per square inch, there are two places on the plane the study confirmed to have more bacteria than the flush button. The setback trays, the overhead air vents, the seat belt buckles, aisle seat headrests, and unsealed airplane blankets. All bacterially compromised. There have been outbreaks of tuberculosis, SARS, flu, norovirus, measles, and coronavirus, according to the Washington Post. Uh, the lifestyle uh, site Best Life said, surely this won't surprise you. No, it won't. Don't call me Shirley. But the floor of the airplane is teeming with germs. Just think of hundreds of pairs of feet walking up and down per flight, hundreds of flights per year. Well, but, you know, don't, don't, don't worry about rotted FK. I'm, I'm sure he's I'm, I'm sure he's rubbing his gums with aardvark antifungal and wearing onions in his socks and drinking his own pee. Because vaccines are dangerous. Well, as long as he's peeling away nitwit Nero's voters with his anti-vaxxing, what? Um, do you do you, Bobo? Well, that certainly sounds... Um, Brother Deacon Asa says, I've seen folks go to the onboard office without shoes or socks occasionally. It's literally the most disgusting thing anyone on a plane can do. I'd divorce my wife if I spotted her doing that. I won't tell, and I don't. And 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 I happen to know that she is far too far far too decent a human being to ever do such a repulsive thing. I mean, is that just one of those rich up east kind of? Yeah, we'll, we'll 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 leave the socks off when we're gone to the loo. Pros. So, uh, hmm. Democrats in the House were trying to block, and the vote was scheduled for about a half an hour ago, because they have an evening session now, tonight, in the House. Democrats were trying to block the motion to uh, charge Homeland uh, Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas 
uh, with an impeachable offense for failing in his duty. This is, of course, a marginal trailer queen joint. And the, 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 the uh, article says that uh, Mayorkas violated his oath of office by failing to constrain the record number of migrants arriving at the border. Reuters story. So there's every reason to think that Mayorkas will be impeached. And then it'll go and die in the Senate. And the Senate will have to waste time on it. And there will be no 67 votes. Did I mention that there's a shutdown looming? Yeah, I think I did. And I mentioned earlier uh, how uh, representing Chip Roy of, of uh, Syphilis Springs, Texas. Yeah, he was uh, taking questions about the uh, plan to avert the shutdown. He's a real soul on this this cat. And to that, I'm disappointed in this bill. Amanda, you had a question. Would you expect the rule to fail tomorrow? Uh, I'm not getting the prediction business. I'm, I'm not in a sort of whipping, uh, you know, uh, effort at the moment. But I'm certainly talking to my colleagues about our concerns. And I certainly hope that this bill is not going to proceed as it's currently structured. You, you, this is seen as the first major test for Speaker Johnson. What does it say that he's putting this type of bill on the floor? Well, I mean, I think it speaks to, you know, he was in a tough spot. He knew he was in a tough spot going into it. He was willing to do that. And I commend him for that. Uh, he's been listening to everybody. I commend him for that. I just think this is the wrong approach, and it's not one that I can support. But explain why you can't get into this conversation about whether or not you support uh, Speaker Johnson based on the experience we had a few weeks ago with Kevin McCarthy. For the he's same he's reason. the very types of things but that undid Kevin Chad, McCarthy. for the same reason that I said then, and I think most of you would agree, that I wasn't going to get into that with Kevin, that I was trying to give Kevin every benefit of the doubt, but I would publicly say when I opposed a particular position he took, and I did. Um, I did not think it was right to vacate Kevin at the time. We went through the several weeks of this. Mike's a good friend, and I like him, and we'll keep working together going forward. But all I'm saying is right now I oppose this measure. I think it's a mistake. I, I don't support the rule advancing it. And uh, I think he should switch directions to like he did last week with a very good move by putting Israel forward, paid for, out of the, Israel, uh, out of the IRS expansion. Yeah, that was a good idea, according to... Uh, it, it, Chip Roy. Yeah, that would be a very bad idea. Why is that? Because we should not be suspending the rules to spend 
whatever 1.6 trillion is divided by 60 to 75 days, that should be a no-go. That's 200 plus billion dollars, right? By well, quick that that. I, I'm not going to go down that road, but it would be a very bad idea. Yep. $200 billion for 75 days would be a very bad idea. Making sure that the military gets paid would be a very bad idea. Making sure that TSA workers get paid would be a very bad idea. I mean, is, is it just me or am I, am, I, I mean, am I the only one noticing the irony of impeaching the Homeland Security Secretary for failing in his duty to... Protect the southern border at the same time that these fuckwits, Marge included, are hell-bent on making sure that the Border Patrol agents don't get paid. Jesus. Oh, that's esoteric, but good. Billable Rick. Tim Scott Staffers, stranded in Iowa. Has Roger Waters sued the Scott campaign for copyright infringement? Nice, Billable. Christopher says, uh, Rotted FK, please pick up the white courtesy telephone. Rotted FK, white courtesy phone. Clearly, Robin, says Christopher, repulsive Kennedy Jr., as a backup plan in case the whole president and thing doesn't work out. Spoke per, spokesperson for that popular low-cost wine company, Barefoot, of course. I'm sure he was carrying a glass as he was walking down the aisle. Now, now, let's not be elitist, Christopher. He's a box wine guy. Oh. Oh, and apparently, uh, Moscow Mitch has given his seal of approval to Mullah Mike's laddered plan. been encouraged this year by the progress our Appropriations Committee has made toward restoring regular order to the way we fund the federal government. As I've said before, shutting down the government does nothing, nothing to advance that work. Regular order requires that Congress provide itself the time for careful consideration and thorough amendment. I'm glad to see that Speaker Johnson has produced a continuing resolution that would do exactly that. There's a lot of work left to do, aside from the remaining full-year appropriation bills. Glaring national security priorities continue to demand our attention from Israel to Ukraine, Israel. to the Indo-Pacific, and of course, our southern border. House Republicans have produced a responsible measure that will keep the lights on, avoid a harmful lapse in government funding, and provide the time and space to finish that important work. I'll support their continuing resolution and encourage my colleagues to do the same. If they can get it out of the House. But again, I come back. I, I come back to a basic principle. If it gets out of the House, it's going to get out with Democratic votes, and won't that seal Mullah Mike's fate? 
Yeah, not surprisingly, Chuck Schumer, the majority leader, had a slightly different take on Mullah Mike's offering. As soon as the ad's over. Room in shutdown. <clears throat> it's a critical week here in the U.S. Capitol. This Friday at midnight, the federal government is going to shut down unless Congress acts first. The last thing the American people want to see is another unnecessary and painful government shutdown. Democrats certainly don't want to have a shutdown. And many of our Republican colleagues have likewise claimed they don't want to see one either. Even the mere act of approaching a shutdown is damaging. Last Friday, when Moody's announced they lowered the U.S. credit rating to negative, citing continued, citing continued political polarization as one of its reasons, that proved to be true. The answer for avoiding a government shutdown is what I've been saying all along. Bipartisanship is necessary. I've said on multiple occasions that if we're going to work together to keep the government open, Speaker Johnson will have to avoid pushing steep cuts or poison pills that Democrats can't support. For now, I am pleased that Speaker Johnson seems to be moving in our direction by advancing a CR that does not include the highly partisan cuts that Democrats have warned against. The Speaker's proposal is far from perfect, but the most important thing is that it refrains from making steep cuts while also extending funding for defense in the second tranche of bills in February, not the first in January. Today, the House Rules Committee will take up the Speaker's bill, and that will give us the first indication of how committed Republicans are to keeping the government open. The next few days will tell all in the House, and I hope the Speaker does not buckle to the loud voices on his hard right flank to add partisan cuts as the price for keeping the government open. In divided government, extremists on one side cannot expect to dictate the agenda for the rest of Congress, especially when their views are so out of line with the majority of Congress and the majority of the American people. I hope Speaker Johnson recognizes that he will need support from Democrats in both chambers if he wants to, cause a, if he wants to avoid causing a shutdown. He needs to stay away from poison pills and steep hard right cuts for that to happen. Uh, one point of contention there. Uh, Schumer said something about uh, causing great harm to... No. Mullah Mike, Mullah Mike, who has only been in the House since 2016 which within House years is still wet behind the ears, his concern is with that old, uh, that old mayonnaise jar that Matt Gates has in the back of his fridge with all of his pints of pee-pee, wherein reside Mullah Mike's testicles. I don't know if he had to report that to his son on their accountability app, but, well, it's fact. That's the primary calculus for Mullah Mike because he was that craven. Let's see if I can do it. For power. Keeping his cushy job. 
in which he can advance his dream of a theocratic state. Oh, and by the way, uh, serving as the Horn ad hoc result of that meeting. Oops, didn't mean to start that. Serving as the Horn ad hoc uh, stranded in Iowa research department, uh, TJ informs us that it was Manfred Mann's Earth Band that did stranded in Iowa. Not billable, please make a note of it. Thanks, TJ. The weirdness with Mala Mike just goes uh, on and on and on. He gets stranger and stranger and stranger. Oh, but I mentioned earlier the response to the butt kicking the Republicans took in Iowa or in Ohio uh, last Tuesday. Well, uh, Jesse Balmert uh, posted on X about it. Ohio Speaker. Jason Stevens, the legislature has multiple paths that we will explore to continue to protect innocent life. This is not the end of the conversation. So now they're going after the Constitution. Now the voters may have changed the Constitution, but we're going to ignore them. Well, this is the modern Republican Party. If you can't win fair and square, cheat. Have they started screaming that the uh, election was rigged in Ohio yet? Kind of, yeah. The ACLU came in and spent all kinds of money because they want to eat little fetuses. That's about the adrenochrome, I'm sure. Uh, Christopher on Moscow Mitch. Moscow Mitch, slow and steady, does something, something. Is it just me or is Mitch's tone much slower and slurred? Moscow Mitch, now more turtleish than ever before. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, uh, that that Chip Roy clip, Steve with a nice observation, a good observation, when Chip Roy said, "Well, you know, uh, Speaker Johnson," and I commend him for that. Steve said, "That sounds an awful lot like the baseball owner saying his complete faith in in my manager right before he fires the manager." Uh, same with football coaches. Oh, and by the way, uh, we are 
two hours and 20 minutes into a Moran Monday filler robster. If anybody's got anything on your mind, well, chime right in. You can get in uh, uh, via the stress line. The stress line, of course, being uh, 844-843-4676. Eight four four the horn, or you can get in via Skype. Robin R O B Y N Kincaid Horn K I N C A I D H O R N. It all goes. It all goes into the same mixing board. So uh, either way is fine by me. News out today that Virginia. Democratic Representative Abigail Spanberger, who has, uh, well, she used to be a CIA officer, and she's now viewed as being a bipartisan member of the House, said she's not going to seek re-election next year. So we're down one. Hopefully she can be replaced by... Um, an equally capable Democrat in that district. But instead, she's going to run for governor of Virginia in 2025. Because I don't think uh, Glenn Youngkin gets to run again. And, well, Glenn Youngkin, who quietly became governor with a less Trumpy version of maggotism, with his coffers quietly stuffed by hate groups, there was beginning to be a groundswell of uh, notional discussion of him as a potential alternative in the Republican primary. I think that's over now, hopefully. Well, what, what, what was he the, uh, which, which filthy hedge fund did he run? Was it BlackRock? Something execrable. And uh, interesting development in New York. The FBI has seized New York Mayor Eric Adams' electronic devices. Uh, the feds are investigating corruption and have even gone to uh, Eric Adams's top fundraiser and uh, uh, this is this is another one of those statements as a former member of law enforcement I expect all members of my staff to follow the law and fully cooperate with any sort of investigation and I will continue to do exactly that. I have nothing to hide, said Eric Adams, the mayor of New York. 
And what the feds are trying to find out is whether uh, Adams's campaign has benefited from illegal foreign donations from Turkey. A Brooklyn construction company is thought to be the pass-through on that. Uh, according to Boyd Johnson, a campaign lawyer for Eric Adams, he said, uh, In the spirit of transparency and cooperation, this behavior was immediately and proactively reported to investigators. The mayor has been and remains committed to cooperating in this matter. On Monday night, the FBI approached the mayor after an event. The mayor immediately complied with the FBI's request and provided them with electronic devices. The mayor has not been accused of any wrongdoing and continues to cooperate with the investigation. They got an iPad and a phone from him. And then the mayor's office turned over more devices. Something about Eric Adams is always... Well, it's the the authoritarian cop thing. Yeah. Hey, Mary, thank you so much. Mary just jumped in. We, uh, uh, Ralph's challenge has been met. And then we are $50 into funding for Thursday. So we're down from 1075 to 975. 850. 850. So, uh, thank you. Thank you, Mary, so very much. It's lovely to hear from you. Uh, Scary Jerry, the good old vote of confidence catapult. That's cute. Scary Jerry says, Give yourselves all a cowbell. The news sucks mostly, and this new COVID remix should have got a booster. Anyways, peace and love to you all. Love you right back, Jerry. The vote of confidence catapult. Yeah, here's an. I have complete confidence. Here's an apple and a roadmap. Mm-hmm. No, we got a scare over the weekend. I won't kid you. Um, little Luna and her mama went off to the ER because she was getting terribly, terribly congested. No, it's not RSV, and no, it's not the Rona. But now the whole the the whole family is congested and stopped up, and you know, generally icky. So that's Mama and Daddy, and all three girls. like, damn. And of course, they've been breathing forest fire smoke for about a week from Virginia. I don't think the smoke would, well, maybe it got from Canada to West Virginia. Our smoke could have gotten down there. A whole bunch of Western Virginia was ablaze. We just fret about them. 
Darlene in Connecticut. I vote for Billable Rick going to some Ted Nugent, Kid Rock, Roger Waters, Eric Clapton, Van Morrison concerts. I'm sure missing a few, but oh hell, add Clint Eastwood to the list as he's saying something about talking to the tre- talking to trees. I'll spring for Billable's earplugs. <laughs> yeah, get to the get to that Ted Nugent and Kid Rock concert stat. And he did sing something about trees, Clint Eastwood did. And the uh, movie version of Paint Your Wagon, one of my favorite musicals. I talked to... No, that's almost Nitwit Nero singing. We'll leave that alone. It wasn't good the first time through. Oh, uh, today in, well, not today, but recently in January the 6th news, Louisville Metro Police Department officials arrested 40-year-old Jason Cockrell uh, this past Tuesday. Not really January 6th news, but, I mean, it's you get this because of January 6th. It's a direct and proximate result. Jason Cockrell managed to survive, unlike Brianna Taylor, his uh, interaction with the Louisville, uh, Louisville police. Jason Cockrell went to a polling uh, st- location in Louisville on Tuesday. He damaged a voting machine. He intimidated at least one person from voting and made threatening gestures toward voters. He was hit with two counts of menacing, a count of tampering, destruction of a voting machine, and one count of interfering with election. He was wielding a flag attached to a fishing pole and tore off the printer attached to the voting machine. (sighs) Bet I know how Cockrell votes, don't you? I hope at least one or two of those are a freaking felony. Oh, that, that too, that too. Uh, George in Corsgold, subject line Clint Eastwood. I remember him talking to a chair at the GOP convention. It was never really clear why. No, but it spawned it spawned a lot of uh, a lot of fun with uh, an old Neil Diamond song. That's for sure. More fallout as the Washington Post covered um, porn app gate. And a little bit more uh, fleshing out of the details. Micah was very helpful for that with that last week. Uh, Covenant Eyes, that's only creepy, is the app that Mullah Mike and his 17-year-old son have on their phone as accountability partners 
Is there an accountability ball? Is there an accountability ball just like there's a purity ball among those weirdos? And apparently this just gets weirder and weirder. The whole thing started with a clip from a year ago. In which Mullah Mike discussed it with uh, some other maggot. With covenant eyes within your home. And so uh, why is that such an effective tool? Why do parents need to put this into their home? Yeah, that's a great, great uh, question. We, we probably could have called this more appropriately a war on the darkness of technology because there are some good things with technology, of course. I mean, you know, the Bible apps we all love. We, we broadcast our services, you know, on our social media, and, and there's some very positive things. But there's also, as Clint's pointed out aptly, some really dark things. So Covenant Eyes is the software that I, I we've been using a long time in our household. Uh, I was I first learned about it at, a, I think, a Promise Keepers event in the early 2000s. I think it was developed in about the year 2000. Uh, but it's the largest um, accountability software that there is, and, and there's some paperwork out there on the table that I think every Everybody may have picked up on the way in. If not, go get it. I, it's a subscription-based. I mean, we don't make any money on this. I'm telling you, I, we use it. Sure okay. you I, don't. Not, I'm, not in, I'm endorsing it because I'm a user. Uh, it's about 15 Oh, you're a user. Dollars a month, $16 a month, something like that. And you get up to 10 devices. And what it is, it's accountability software. So uh, men in a church, you know, men's Bible study groups will do it. That's how it's presented at Promise Keepers. But they also mention, hey, when your kids become teenagers, especially if you have boys, dads, they're talking to the guys at this event, you might want to think about doing this with your sons. And so we've been doing that. And so what it does real Yeah, hold on. I mean, granted, the misogyny is strong with this one for any number of reasons. But they're not worried about their daughter. Well, no, they've already been married to their daddies temporarily with their purity ball and their purity ring. So that... Oh, God, it's just so gross. Real simply is it has an algorithm and software. I'm, it's way above my head how it works, but um, it, it scans. You, you obviously opt into it, but it scans every all the activity on your phone or your devices, your laptop, tablet, what have you. We do all of it. And then it sends a report to your accountability partner. So my accountability partner right now is Jack, my son, right? And so he's 17. So he and I get Jack, a my son. all the, the things that are on our phones or all of our devices once a week. If anything objectionable comes up, your accountability partner gets an immediate notice. I'm proud to tell you my son has, he's got a clean slate. All right? <laughs> but but we, get, we get a report, and it says, hey, no, no uh, activity of concern, and it's really, really sensitive. It'll pick up almost anything. It looks for keywords, search terms, and also images, and it will send your accountability partner a blurred uh, picture of the image. And so on occasion, I get one. I was just looking at the one from this week I got on, on Jack, and it said, this, this is the only one that may be questionable, and it's this blurred image of two, two women talking in a live screen thing, and I zoom in, and I have to unblur it, and it's, and it's two middle-aged teachers. Yeah, it's two middle-aged teachers. But the AI couldn't figure out wasn't dirty because it was two women talking. So the, the, the reason for the Washington Post article was to point out the fact that uh, that third-party developer is getting that data, and therefore who else is?
and he's been blathering about it uh, in in uh, podcasts with his wife Kelly as recently as this past August. His spokes creep. Uh, now that this has become a bit of a thing, his spokes creep. Uh, Uber maggot Raj Shah. The speaker only discusses classified information in an appropriate venue consistent with House security procedures. Yeah, meanwhile, the Post shot off a few questions to Covenant Eyes, which they didn't answer. In an email, company spokes creep Dan Armstrong said, Porn harms people. We help anyone who commits to staying clear of it. Wonder how hackable they are. Kind of like every time a Republican goes off on some issue relating to human sexuality, the first thought to my mind is, huh, wouldn't you love to see his browser history? But the thing is, as the Post points out, as Speaker, Mullah Johnson is part of the Gang of Eight. The top members of the House and Senate who actually get informed about covert and classified intelligence activities as deemed necessary by the executive branch when they make when they for sure don't want to tell the whole damn Congress. According to the Post report, Lori Faith Craner, who's a computer science professor at Carnegie Mellon University in uh, Pittsburgh, said she would be concerned about a government official using it knowingly on his own devices as it may expose potentially sensitive information to a third-party service provider or even his 17-year-old son, who can presumably unblur things, too. Exceptions are always a problem. Covenant Eyes says, uh, uh, These images and domains are not used by Covenant Eyes for any purpose other than generating reports, except that other use by Covenant Eyes will be expressly limited to internal use only for the purposes of database management or systems operations. And nobody could ever hack them. And, uh, it, by the way, they got bounced off the Google Play Store. And then it reinstated it. Well, I'll sleep better tonight. Creepy Eye app, a must for every daddy and son. Um, uh, Christopher says, a special request, Robin, please refrain from ever again using the word fleshing. That was a mistake on my part. When referring to Mullah Mike and his Jack Me Son. 
we appreciate the acknowledgement. I will. Uh, I'll make an effort to make sure I don't do that again. I, I could not agree more. Uh, Ralph said, "How much of a cut does Mike Johnson get from the app?" Oh, he said, "Oh, we're not getting anything for us. We use it. We like it." But you know what? If you think about it, something like Covenant Eyes could be really handy in, oh, I don't know, a theocracy? Just a little bit, maybe? And rather a big deal today, as we move toward wrapping up the program, Lo and behold, with uh, Har Har and Lee Lee and other billionaires having bought Clarence Pubes on the Coke can Fappy Thomas as a timeshare, and Sammy Badbreath out there getting some of that sweet, sweet billionaire love too, as well as others. Well, today, the Supreme Court of the United States sort of in response to a massive amount of hue and cry over the obvious corruption of its most puissant, dread sovereign, uh, conservative elders, released a code, they released a code of conduct that looks a bit like the code of conduct for lower federal court judges. And it says again that, lo and behold, the justices should avoid impropriety and the appearance of impropriety, both on and off the bench. And this is actually somewhat humorous. Uh, there was a statement that came out with the code and said they were trying to dispel a misunderstanding that the justices have long been operating unrestricted by any rules. Well, they had to release the code of conduct because the justice was, justices were operating without any rules. But, I mean, they're, 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 you know, avoid the appearance of impropriety, the Caesar's wife rule. The problem, though, is where are the teeth? A commentary attached to the code said, uh, for example, some district courts and courts of appeals have deployed software to run automated recusal checks on new case filings. The court will assess whether it needs additional resources in its clerk's office or office of legal counsel to perform initial and ongoing review of recusal and other ethics issues. Problem is, if swanning around the in, uh, around the planet with Har Har Crow isn't deemed a recusal and ethics issue, the code is as useless as a screen door on a submarine. They were trying to head off having a code imposed upon them. You know, if Democrats ever get the votes in the Senate. 
the justices think that that would be constitutionally problematic and they oppose it, never mind the fact that the Constitution does give the Congress the power to make rules for the court, like how many members will be on the court. Uh, the youngsters like uh, Amy Covid Barrett and beer loving Brat Kavanaugh have uh, well uh, yeah, last month Amy Covid Barrett said it would be a good idea to have an ethics code, and in September Brat said I well I'm hopeful a code could be adopted to increase confidence in the court. Uh, Elena Kagan issued probably one of the more interesting statements in this regard. She said, uh, "Yeah, we we've committed to following certain kinds of ethical rules respecting judges, but have said we will only be guided by others." There has been some concern, and I think it's legitimate concern that the Supreme Court is an unusual kind of court in certain respects, and that some of the rules don't quite fit as well. Well, let's see what the new code has to say. A justice should not allow family, social, political, financial, or other relationships to influence official conduct or judgment. A justice should neither knowingly lend the prestige of the judicial office to advance the private interests of the justice or others, nor knowingly convey or permit others to convey the impression that they are in a special position to influence the justice. Oh, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to influence the justice. Lee Lee or Har Har might say. Uh, they're just very dear friends that I only became aware were very dear friends when they got onto the court. Hmm. Here's another rule. A justice should not participate in extrajudicial activities that detract from the dignity of the justice's office, interfere with the performance of the justice's official duties, reflect adversely on the justice's impartiality, lead to frequent disqualification. I, I wonder I wonder if Fappy has even read that. But the problem is the code, the eight-page code, uses the word should 53 times. It uses the word must only six. And again, scant evidence of whether there's there's no... There's no consequences. Upon the release of the uh, of the code, Senator Sheldon Whitehouse, who has taken the lead on all this, said, this is a long overdue step by the justices. But a code of ethics is not binding unless there is a mechanism to investigate possible violations and enforce the rules. 
the honor system has not worked for members of the Roberts Court. My ethics bill would create a transparent process for complaints and allow a panel of chief judges from the lower courts to investigate and make recommendations based on those complaints. Which is the sort of thing that is desperately needed. Well, it said I should uh, not. Uh, it, it said that I shouldn't let billionaires part me out as a timeshare, but it doesn't say I mustn't. I, I think lawyers are probably some of the most difficult people in the world to make rules for because lawyers are trained to find exceptions, loopholes fine print I'm guessing this is not going to come to any sort of substantial or significant meaning <laughs> George George and Course Gold uh, blurred out photo of two middle aged teachers well maybe Jack Mike's son is into that. Er, sounds sexy to me. George. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Irish Dave. I believe the Latin translation is the appearance of quid pro quo. C R O W quid pro quo. Yeah, oh, that's clever. Well played. Darlene in Connecticut says, I think with today's SCOTUS announcement that they're trying to head off their billionaire benefactors from being subpoenaed by the Senate Judiciary Committee. Lady G and his ilk brought, bought them time with 80 amendments to voting on the subpoenas that was supposed to happen in committee today. It worked. Durbin withdrew the subpoena vote temporarily. I hope they eventually push forward and prevail with that vote because we need to know what crimes were committed. Yeah. It's a shame that the Senate is the one that has to develop the evidence, but if they are if they are if if they are able to develop any evidence, and there does appear to be evidence of criminality, and it sure looks based on the ProPublica stuff that there is, then uh, that information should go promptly to the Department of Justice, shouldn't it? Uh, as to Mullah Mike Reverbo with a query. Is there any freaking way he can stop invoking his magical book? No, Reverbo, no. Because he wants everybody to know how committed to his magic book he is and his interpretation of it. And how we must all believe the same way he does. And, uh,
there was a decision in the court today. And it's pretty gross. The court rejected a lawsuit by a prisoner who, from 2008 to 2013, imprisoned by the state of Illinois, was kept in solitary confinement for various rules violations and not even afforded one hour a day to get out of his cell. He was in prison because of poor mental health. Michael Johnson was the inmate's name, is the inmate's name. And the, our most puissant dread sovereign, Supreme Catholic Majesty, said, "Now nah, that's okay. You can stick a human being in a, in a in a tiny little cell and just leave them there if there are rules violations. There are always rules violations if they want rules violations to be there. Under prison rules, the exercise privilege can be withdrawn temporarily for violations. Well, between 2008 and August 2016, Michael Johnson racked up 70 of those. Johnson said his right to not be subjected to cruel and unusual punishment under the Eighth Amendment was violated, but, well, the court's right wing said, nah, it's okay. But Justice, uh, Son- Justices Sonia Sotomayor and Elena Kagan joined the dissenting opinion authored by Justice Katanji Brown-Jackson, which said in part, the consequences of such a prolonged period of exercise deprivation were predictably severe. Most notably, Johnson's mental state deteriorated rapidly. Solitary is torture. And it will turn a mind to mush in fairly short order. The facts indicated that Michael Johnson's muscles withered. He repeatedly smeared feces on his body, endured hallucinations, and compulsively picked at his own flesh. And time after time was forced to be on suicide watch. He has bipolar disorder. Michael Johnson does. Not surprisingly, he is severely depressed. He actually was released in 2019. But then, as is so often the case, went right back in the stir uh, after a conviction for battery. In 2016, they finally transferred him to somewhere that could provide him psychiatric care. Then when they let him out, he was convicted of battery on a different charge, 
and sent back in to the psychiatric care facility. And if you uh, take a moment to ponder what psychiatric care in a state prison system, what a psychiatric care facility uh, is probably like, the horror is almost incomprehensible. And this is a save it for Wednesday, but we've got a couple of minutes left. Let's clear it from the stack. This is sickening. The backstory is sickening. The legislative conduct is sickening. It has to do with an Arizona legislator named Representing Kwong uh, Nguyen. Uh, Representative Nguyen is Roman Catholic. And he has stopped in its tracks a bill introduced in the Arizona legislature that would require clergy who receive confessions of child abuse, especially child sexual abuse, to law enforcement. Doctors have to. Other caregivers have to. Teachers have to. But Kwong Nguyen Said, uh, said said the bill can uh, the bill dies, and the seal of confession is a sacred sacred part of the Catholic Church. A Democratic legislator in Arizona was moved to act based on a case coming out of the Mormon Church in Bisbee, Arizona. Trigger warning. Please, content warning. Father of six in Bisbee, Arizona, speaking with his Mormon bishop in a counseling session, told the bishop, Bishop John Herod, who was replaced by Bishop Robert Kim Mozzie, uh, the man told them both, that he was raping his then five-year-old daughter. Church, uh, church lawyer Merrill Nelson advised both bishops not to disclose anyone outside the church. And then according to reportage by the Arizona Republic, the man started raping his six-week-old daughter. And a member of the House of Representatives in Arizona, Kwong Nguyen. Says that compelling divines to disclose to the police when a man is raping his six-month-old daughter is, quote, an attack on the church. And Kwong Nguyen says the bill will receive 
no hearing in committee. Kwong Nguyen chairs the House Judiciary Committee in Arizona and said the victim has the parents, the victim has the teachers, the victim has friends, the victim has relatives that he or she is close to, so it doesn't need a priest to be able to go to court and testify. That argument doesn't hold water because the girl who lived through seven years of sexual abuse said they just let it keep happening. They just said, hey, let's excommunicate her father. Didn't stop. Let's have him do therapy. It didn't stop. Hey, let's forgive and forget and all this will go away. It didn't go away. But Kwong Nguyen thinks, believes, believes that his church has a right and all churches have a right to cover up the most vile and heinous forms of sexual abuse. Because, as he said, the seal of confession is never to be broken and priests will go to jail for it. I know, Brother Deacon. How sick do you have to be? How do you even physically do that to a six-month-old child? We need to bring back the guillotine. Kwong Nguyen first, before the rapey Arizona father. It's disgusting. How does, how does someone like Kwong Nguyen sleep at night and, and rise in the morning? Did I mention that Kwong Nguyen is a Republican? Because Kwong Nguyen is a Republican. Because, of course. So that's the program. That's this Moran Monday. Been a lot of Morans. Thanks, everybody. Thank you so very much for joining in. Thanks to our Patreon and PayPal subscribers. Thanks to our a la carte contributors. Thank you to Mary, and thank you to uh, so far back in the program, yeah. Thank you to uh, Ralphs for the challenge. And thanks to Charlene in Rogues Island getting us started. It's a big help. We finished off Wednesday and we got started on uh, this past Thursday. Thank you so much. Thanks to each and every one of you who share your precious finite time engaging in this program in whatever manner you so choose. Thanks to our all-volunteer staff. Thank you, Roger. Thanks for catching that 14th Amendment language. I appreciate it. Thank you to our news ninjas. Thank you, Brother Deacon Asa, head on dot live. Remember, please, like and subscribe to the podcast and leave a comment. It helps raise visibility. Thanks, John Fox in Australia. Thank you, Ben Birch, WhiteRoseSociety.org. Thanks to the hardest working, bravest people I know, the folks at Coal River Mountain Watch, CRMW.net. 
20 plus years at the forefront of the struggle for human rights and environmental justice in Appalachia at a proud union shop. Please stay safe. Get your booster. Get your RSV vaccine. Get your flu shot. Wear your masks when you're around larger than five uh, groups of larger than five. And for God's sakes, if you're around any maggots, you know how they are. Wash your hands. Don't touch your face. Use your hand sanitizer. Carry it with you, pocket or purse. Maintain your social distance. And if some creep comes to you on the sidewalk saying, well, the church is more important than little raped children, avoid Quang Nguyen like the plague, because he is. And always, 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 Gina, it's all for you. Love you, Wayne. Later.